everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Disciple Makers Podcast brought to you by discipleship.org. I am your host, Dave Stovall, and today's episode features another Dave, Mr. Dave Beering. He's the founder and president of Lionshare, and he's bringing along a friend of his, Kevin Townsend. He's the pastor at Sunny Slope Christian Center out in California. Dave discusses what real-life transformation looks like through life-on-life discipleship, and he interviews Kevin, who shares exciting stories of this type of transformation happening in his own church. So pretty inspiring stuff here. You're going to enjoy this episode. I'm going to shut up now. Let's jump in and hear from Dave Buring and Kevin Townsend. Here we go. I have the privilege of hanging out with you here for a little bit this afternoon, and uh, we get to talk about one of my very favorite subjects, and that is disciple making. You know, the the world that we're living in these days, it's it's uh, I'm finding it's more and more important that we take the time to build discipleship into everything that we're doing from our families into our local churches, into the relationships of influence we have. And, and as you'll hear a little bit from me throughout today within our vocations. So I have the privilege of, of giving leadership to an organization called Lion Share. Um, we've been around since 2001, so just celebrated our 20th anniversary last year. And our focus is uh, on disciple making. And we've been using the language recently within generations, meaning how do we pass things on to those younger within the vocations where people work. So whether it's in business or arts or government or media, wherever people are working and also nations. So generations, vocations, nations. And our heart is to ignite people by equipping them how to be effective disciple makers. And so we've got some tools. I can share some of those with you later on uh, that we're using. Today, I want to talk with you about the process of transformation, and then I'm going to have a special uh, guest, a friend of mine, Pastor Kevin Townsend, who's from Hollister, California. Kevin is now a eight-year-old friend of mine, and he has seen real transformation happen in his church there in Hollister. As as a senior pastor, he decided to really engage his congregation in disciple-making. So we'll have a chance to chat a bit with Kevin for a little while uh, here, maybe about 20 minutes or so. so. So let me begin by telling you a story. So in February of 2014, I received uh, an email. I actually pulled it up and looked at it yesterday. I hadn't seen it for a number of years. And because I wanted to make sure I had the right month on there, but February of 2014 from a pastor friend who lives locally here. I I live in Franklin, Tennessee, and he's not far from me. And he said, hey, Dave, can I buy you lunch? Well, I think we've all known when people are willing to buy you lunch, that's always the will of God to say yes, right? So I said, of course. And so we met at a a local restaurant and we begin to chat. And uh, the first 10 minutes or so was, was chit chat, getting to know each other. We both were familiar with each other's ministries, but had never met. And so this was a wonderful time of just meeting, enjoying some friendship. And about 10 minutes in, he kind of put his hand on the table and leaned forward. And he said, hey, I, I want to tell you why I asked you to lunch. So he says, look, I, I pastor a flock where we preach the word. Our people really know the word. And, um, you know, they, they can come and give me an overview of books of the Bible. They've got memory verses memorized. They have a sense of the themes of the Bible. And then he got real serious and he said, but they're not transformed. They know the Bible, but they're not transformed. And he said, because you're somebody that deals with disciple making, I'm making an assumption here that you might know how transformation actually occurs. And I I winked at him and I said, um, you know, the devil knows the Bible really well, but he isn't transformed either. We had kind of a, you know, chuckle over that, but realizing that knowledge of the Bible alone doesn't bring about transformation. So as we talk about this, I want you to keep the, the value of the Bible elevated here, but I also want you to begin to look at the process of transformation that God uses to take the truth of his word 
to get it inside of us. Okay. So I just want you to think about that with me as, as we look at this. So as I'm chatting with this pastor and Hey, let me, let me throw up a, um, PowerPoint here that will help me be able to visually share some of this with you. So you might see faded in here a little bit, three circles. That's what I drew on the table with my pastor friend. I just took uh, these three different circles and laid them out like that and I, with my finger on the table. And I said, hey, let me talk to you about this process of transformation. And I told him, I said, this isn't Dave's idea. This isn't something, you know, is a lion's share idea. This is Jesus's idea. This is we, something we see throughout scripture on how God brings about transformation. And so I started with the last circle because it's where we had started in our conversation. And it, it was with transformation. I said, okay, so all of this leads towards transformation. You asked me how it happens. Now, let me just tell you how I discovered this. So uh, about a decade ago, I had a young man who, a former military guy on my team, a wonderful teammate. And um, one day we were talking here in the office and he just kind of started to push me in our conversation. He's standing at a whiteboard. He said, Dave, you've done this for many years. How are people transformed? And so, you know, as we're talking, I said, I started to kind of tell him what I was thinking. And he kept saying, that's not it. That's not it. And I, I was starting to get a little frustrated with him. And uh, he pushed me and he said, yeah, but what happens? What happens when you share the word with somebody or you share a truth? How does it lead to their life is actually changed? And out of my mouth came this process. They get revelation from the Lord. They begin to obey it and transformation comes. And he said, that's it. That's what I've been looking for. That's what I've been trying to pull out of you. And I'm thankful for that day that he took the time to do that. So let me walk this process through a little bit with you and talk about it. So it begins here on our diagram with the end, transformation. All right. God is the one that brings about transformation in our lives. It's important that we recognize in any pastor or spiritual leader or someone who's been a disciple maker, you know, like me, that there's no magical way to transform somebody's life. It's God's responsibility. It's God's power who brings about transformation. It, you and I just don't have the ability to do so. I wish, and I've answered it this way, when you're you're in a small group and you kind of are doing some of the get to know you questions and, you know, like what, uh, you know, what's your favorite thing to do in your time off or what's your favorite color or my favorite one to ask is if you could have one superpower, what would it be? And of course, when you get into that conversation, you end up having these Superman powers where you could, you know, uh, leap tall buildings in a single bound, or you could fly or, or the having spidey sense, or, you know, you get into some of those with some of our fun, you know, um, animated heroes. But for me, the way that I've answered that question is this, if I could have the superpower to go into somebody's heart and make five decisions and then pull out, that would be awesome. So imagine if you could have the superpower given by the Lord to go into somebody's heart and make these five decisions. I'm going to follow Jesus passionately all the days of my life. I'm going to know the word and I'm going to follow the lead of the Holy Spirit in my life. I'm going to be a man or a woman of godly character. I'm going to tend my relationships throughout my whole life really well to model God's heart in relationship. And fifth, I'm going to fulfill the destiny for which I was born. Imagine if you could go into people's hearts and make those five determined decisions and then pull out. My work here is done. Could you imagine how fast we'd get disciple making done? But as you know, just like I do, God didn't make it that way, did he? He made it a different way. And it's actually, of course, a much better way because it's his process. God is the one who can bring about transformation. He's the one that can bring about the, the change in someone's life. Once they were lost, 
Now they're found. Then we take the found and we make them into disciples who then become effective disciple makers. So when you think about transformation, realize when God looks at these kinds of things, he is the God that can transform the tiniest of apple seeds, not into just another apple, but a tree that produces multiple apples and not just a tree that produces multiple apples, but an orchard that can produce multiple orchards. Really important for us to recognize what it is that God can do. So God is the one that deals with the area here of transformation. And so we have to remember transformation is something that only God does. So keep that in mind. It's his end game. It's something that God wants to be able to do. All right. Hey, I'm just going to greet Kevin Townsend. Hey, Kevin, glad you're on board with me here. He's going to join in listening until we get, get to our conversation here. So the beginning of this, if, if the end game is transformation, it's only something God can do. I want us to recognize that's our goal. That's our aim as we're walking with people. The first step of this process of transformation begins with revelation. Okay. Now, one of the things I've had to learn over the years and explain to people is there's a difference between revelation and information. So information would be something like, hey, isn't it awesome as we're going through the book of Esther that we've got, you know, no mention of God in the whole book, and yet God transforms all kinds of things in the book of Esther. Well, that's, see, that's information. Information are facts. They're things that make us aware of things, but it's not transformative, all right, by itself. Transformation is when God shows us something. So some, let me illustrate it this way. So think of when you were in junior high or high school and, you know, maybe you go to a, the school play and you sit in the theater, and, you know, the, the stairs are kind of, or the seats are angled down like this and you've got the big black burgundy or navy blue curtain up there, right? And you're wandering around in there and talking before it starts and someone finally kind of flicks the light and everybody goes and finds their seat and it gets quiet. Well, whether it's 60 minutes or 60 seconds before those curtains are pulled back, you have no idea what is behind those curtains until they're pulled back. That is the imagery of what it means to get revelation. Once I don't see it, now I see. And when the curtains go back, it's it's a Hawaiian island. It's an old Western town. It's a space shuttle. It's, it's something that is going to help us understand and tell the story of the play we're going to watch. Revelation is when God pulls the curtains back and he reveals something about your heart. You've got a bad relationship with your father. I want you to make those things right. It's God pulling back the curtains and revealing to you, yes, I'm asking you to sell your home in this city and move to this one. It's the pulling back of the curtains that says, yes, I want you to give that financially to that person who's going on that short-term missions trip. See, it could be guidance. It could be issues of the heart. It could be all kinds of things. See, guidance is something that comes from God. Just like God does the heavy lifting of transformation, God also is the one that brings revelation. Now, now think about that story of Jesus being with Peter and the disciples. And he says, hey, who do people say that I am? And if you remember, well, some of says you're one of the prophets, you're John the Baptist. And, and then Jesus says, who do you say that I am? And Peter pipes up. And he says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Like Peter saw it. Now listen to Jesus's words right after that. Flesh and blood have not, here's our word, revealed this to you, but my father who's in heaven. And one of the things that's important for us to realize is no matter how much I try to use my teaching gift or my relational strengths to explain something to somebody, the only way somebody gets it is when God reveals it to them. And that's something that's really important for us to understand. And so think about this. When somebody 
is not being transformed instead of pounding them on the head or getting frustrated with them, start praying that God will bring revelation because people do not change until they see it, right? They've got to see it first in their lives. And so here God in this process of transformation, we see him doing the initiating all the time. He does the initiating and then he does the transforming. He's doing all the big heavy duty lifting. What's your role and my role? Let me show you. Our role is obedience. What God reveals, we are to walk in obedience to. And then as we walk in obedience to that, we can trust God for transformation. So let me illustrate this out of Matthew 7, verses 24 to 27. Jesus is teaching, and he says, those who hear my words and do it, parentheses, right, obedience, that's a wise man who builds his house on the rock. And we know this story. When, when the winds come and the, and the waves are roaring, that house will stand. Then he continues, he who hears my words, remember, same premise, same reality, they heard it and doesn't do it, parentheses, disobedience, is a foolish man who builds his house on sand. Now, I spent seven years living in Hawaii, and Sean and I try to get back there at least every other year to connect with our friends and the people of the islands. If I told them, hey, I'm going to build a house right here on the black sand, don't you think the view would be awesome? They would laugh at me because they know it won't stand. See, and what happens is we often get revelation from God, from the scriptures, or by the Holy Spirit. And if we obey it, we begin to see transformation come. If we don't obey it, it just gets stored up inside of us somewhere, and it never gets fleshed out. There's not transformation. And I see people sometimes, because they've had information about it, maybe even revelation about it, but transformation, they're shaking their fist at God, like God showed me. And then he, look, it comes back to God was faithful to reveal something to us, right? But if you and I don't obey it in our lives, we don't get through to the other side of transformation. Now, this is both in our lives, the issues of our heart and the things God's growing us in, and also through our lives, like when God says, I want you to do X, Y, and Z, and you step up and obey those things, you can expect God to transform things through your life as well. But oftentimes I find people, you know, not paying attention to this. And, and as you know, we have a Bible study culture within our country. It's been here for decades. It, this is Dave's opinion, but I think it's one of the greatest hindrances to disciple making. Now, don't mishear me. I'm not saying the Bible. You keep the Bible here, but you have to start raising up this whole area of disciple making because what's happened is we've got a lot of people with a lot of knowledge here, but there's not been the transformation of heart here. And that's what this pastor who he'd gone out to lunch, that was his frustration. He said, Dave, my people have tons of knowledge of the Bible, but because they've not applied it, who hears my words and does it is a wise man because they have not applied it in obedience. I'm not seeing transformation. They don't come more passionately to our prayer meetings. They're not the first ones to step up when we say we're going to go take care of the poor in our city. The guys in my church, they haven't allowed transformation to happen in their husbandry. So their wives aren't getting the benefit of being godly men in there. He said, they're not being transformed, but they can quote Bible verses out the wazoo. There's a big difference. And it's something that we have found in our disciple making that, if I could tease and say it this way, is the secret sauce. All right. We know the Holy Spirit is behind all of this. He is the actual transformer, isn't he? He'll use us as vessels to communicate God's heart and God's ways. So the Holy Spirit is the one behind all of this. But the reality that I want us to be able to understand is that our obedience is the engine of transformation. Let me say that to you again. Obedience is the engine 
of transformation. Without obedience, we might have information or we might even have revelation of God revealing something to us from the scriptures or by the Holy Spirit. But if we don't put it into obedience, into practicing it in our lives, we don't get transformed in that area of our life. So I I want you to see this. I want you to understand it because it becomes a very key part of our disciple making. So let me just, uh, before I jump into a conversation here with Kev, let me just show you this. So when we use our discipleship tool called a discipleship journey, it's a tool now that's been out for 18 years. We've used it around the world. We just put out a updated edition that we're excited about. And this is the questions that we encourage people to ask. So they go through content for about an hour on their own. And then then in a group, they can begin to apply it together. But here's the two questions we ask. What has the Holy Spirit revealed to you? Now, last night I was on a ADJ call of a group that I'm discipling. And they had all kind of watched the little 10-minute video, took their Bibles for an hour to dive in sometime during the week. And so I asked them the question, what has the Holy Spirit revealed to you? And what's always amazing and encouraging to me is they all went through the same content, but their applications are all different because the Holy Spirit revealed something different to them that applied to their lives right now. So they all answered that question. Then we circled back to how are you going to obey this in your life? And this is not something, well, I'm just going to think about it more. No, it's always got to be measurable. It's met like, how are you going to obey? So they know I'm going to ask that question. So they come prepared, thinking it through, praying about how am I going to apply what God has revealed in my life so that it's actually something that's transformative within me. So revelation, obedience, transformation. We see this all through scripture. Noah, go build an ark. And, And as many of you know, at that point, there may have never been rain. Many theologians think rain may have never landed on the earth at that point. The earth was watered by springs. So could you imagine taking a hundred years and building something that you have no idea what this thing called rain is all about? He had revelation from God. He obeyed. Transformation came. Joshua, walk around the walls of Jericho. God initiates. He reveals Joshua obey. We see the fruit of it. You can go on like every Bible story you think about. God initiates something. They obey. Remember, obedience is the engine of transformation. And then you can see the transformation come. Now, you and I know that between obedience and transformation can be time because God's timetable isn't always the same as ours. But if we walk in what God has shown us to do, we're obedient to it. We can trust God, whether in our own lives or through our lives, for transformation to come. Hey, I hope you've been enjoying this episode so far. I wanted to take just a second to tell you about the Discipleship.org Collective. It's an online community designed for disciples and disciple makers. And if you're a follower of Jesus, then you fit in one or both of those categories. And we made this website with your needs in mind. The website itself is super cool because it's like stepping into a virtual church building. There's a welcome center, an auditorium for main events, and even some classrooms. Right now, you can get free access to this collective where we provide weekly webinars, we've got ebooks, and even disciple making assessments for you and also your whole church. And don't mistake this for just a website, it's actually a community for disciple makers. Basic membership is free, but there's also a premium access option that includes courses, certifications, and online gatherings with other leaders from around the world. So go to discipleship.org collective and sign up for your free membership today. So I, I've asked a friend of mine, I'm going to shut this off for the moment. I've asked a friend of mine, <clears throat> Kevin Townsend, to, to join me on this call. Kevin is somebody that um, took took this seriously a number of years ago. We we met. He gave me the privilege of speaking at his men's retreat in the fall of uh, 2014, and and we began to strike up a friendship. He then jumped into something we do called a leadership journey, which is a six month January to June discipleship thing I do for leaders. Usually about a third of the people are in ministry and two thirds are societal leaders. 
And we walk through all kinds of stuff together to kind of give them a jump start in discipleship, walking in God's ways and leadership. And so when I was at that retreat in, in uh, the fall of 2014, I said, hey, Kev, because I just thought he'd be a great fit for it. He prayed about it. And to my delight, he jumped into it. And so since that time, we've been building friendships. So let me introduce you to Kevin Townsend, pastor in at Sunny Slope Christian Center in Hollister, California. Welcome, Kev. Give them a little background, Kevin, of you, your family, your church, just so they kind of have a little feel and makeup for who you are and what you do. Yeah. Hey, I thought we were talking fantasy football today. When- well, you know what? That's the what I had to tell you to get you on the call. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, hey, it's it's an honor joining joining you all today. Uh, I was born and raised in Hollister. I've been pastoring here 30, 34 years, senior pastor for 22 years. Uh, I told God I would pastor any church about my home church. And I've been at my home church now for 34 years. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. That's amazing. Uh, that's good. My wife, Jackie, she, uh, I met her here at youth group. Uh, she's now a uh, family marriage therapist uh, in one of the hospitals. And I have three children, Stephanie, Kristen, and Kevy. I Kevin Jr. Uh, <laughs> all through, <laughs> like you call me, Kevin. Uh, all through the uh, United States, serving in churches and um, and loving Jesus. A little bit about our church. Our church is um, in Central California. We're pretty much um, very diverse. We have a, we have a large Hispanic population, white population, Asian population. We had our first Nigerian family join last week. Uh, a lot of these families moved down to our community from San Jose, San Jose, San Jose. We are a bedroom community to, to Silicon Valley. So Kev, when I've been with you, the one of the things I've enjoyed about your congregation is kind of the diverse makeup of it, racially, yeah. age-wise. Tell, tell everybody about that. Yeah. Um, as I said, we have a lot of different nationalities moving into our city because of our housing is quite cheaper yeah. compared to the San Jose area. We're about eighty dollars to $100,000 a home less than San Jose or possibly even more. So we have quite a few. Uh, we actually also a few months ago had our first Samoan family. Oh, nice. Church from the island. Yeah. And really exciting. When, when, they're, when their son's at church, I feel pretty safe. He's, He's a yeah, he could be a linebacker, probably. Yeah, no, defensive line. He was a ah, okay football player, big big boys. But uh, it's really awesome because with so many diverse people within the church, it just makes a fun church, big time. Just awesome. And yeah, so you know they've they've really enjoyed our ADJ a discipleship journey program, and it's just awesome to see what God's what God's doing. Yeah. Through. Yeah, and and I've appreciated it too, Kevin, because I I feel like between the ages and different nationalities in your church, you've had a real opportunity to see disciple making impact different cultures right yeah. in your own backyard, and that's that's always been an exciting thing to me. Whenever Kevin kind of has a has a group of people finish uh, going through this, he will often send me a uh, a picture of them. He does a fun fun kind of graduation night saying, Hey dudes, you, you're now a disciple. Let's walk this thing. Let's, let's reproduce. And, and so I just got one, what, maybe three weeks ago. Yeah. It was our seventh year in a row of graduations. Yeah. So yeah. T- talk to us a little bit about that, Kevin. So l- let's, let's go back to when you went through leadership journey with me in, in yeah. 2015, I know that as you and I were conversing, <clears throat> one of the things that, um, really emerged in you was this passion and desire to be a disciple maker within your local church. So t- right. talk a little bit about what happened in you with that. What, what's made you a disciple maker? Sure. So um, a discipleship or a leadership journey that I went through seven to eight years ago, I was at a point in my ministry where I really didn't have mentors, curriculum, training. And when you came and asked me to join, that it was definitely a God just a godsend. Uh, your lectures were incredible. I mean, just every two weeks being with you and being with the group, 
and the books that you sent, the resources that you gave us. You know, I thought after college I was done with homework. <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, you know, a couple of nights I had Monday Night Football on, muted as we were doing our class, and the only person knew that I was watching was you. You called me out. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. But, you know, but what, what Leadership Journey did for me, if there are pastors out there watching, was that it challenged the weak areas in my life. God exposed weak areas and uh, areas that needed strengthened and helped helped with. But most of all, um, it built a great accountability to you and the others in, in the class. Mm. It was awesome to be a part of a cohort. I have made lifelong friends in that yeah. cohort yeah. Uh, this year in September, it's kind of an ADJ reunion. I have you and another gentleman that did the class with me that yeah. are flying my guest speakers at our statewide men's conference this year. So uh, that young man has been a lifelong friend with me as well. And um, it's just been awesome. You know, for first 20 years in ministry, I really didn't have a lot of uh, cohorts or, you know, I was empty 20, 25 years of just giving and giving and giving. And when a leadership journey came, wow, Dave, uh, God has gifted you to teach and pour into pastors. And I know you impacted my life. Actually, you impacted our whole church. Mm. Our whole church is different now. Mm. Um, and it all started with a leadership journey before a discipleship journey because yeah. you had to get the pastor excited. So I could turn around and get the church excited. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, Kev, it's been one of the delightful things for me to watch because oftentimes one of the greatest hindrances, not, not purposeful, but one of the greatest hindrances to disciple making in local churches can be the pastor. And, and you've maybe heard me say this statistic before through discipleship.org as we've kind of looked at these things. And I'm going to give the more conservative number that right. about 80% of senior pastors have never been discipled. And so when we, yeah. when we yeah. talk about this, it can get relegated in their minds to, you know, an education department or that guy who's really kind of fanatical for Jesus, just let, let's him, let him rip, you know, at this thing. Yeah. But what was exciting to me is you kind of took the bull by the horns. And if I remember right, Kev, I think your your flock at the time when you did this in about 2014, were you about 200 folks? Is that about where you were? Um, like 175. 175. Yeah. And so, you know, and, and the thing I got to tell you that are, are watching and listening to this is they were, they were people who loved Jesus. Um, you could tell Kevin had already been um, imparting things of Jesus into their lives. But, but it was at this time in about 2014 that I saw him catch the disciple making bug. And so tell, tell everybody, Kevin, what you begin to do in your church to begin to cultivate disciple making. Yeah. So for the first year we did, it was different than the other six years. So the first year, once I went through the leadership journey and came back, my first step was to uh, get my associate pastor on board with it. So we took some time, went through uh, a discipleship journey, uh, and then we began to pray and seek God, God, how do you want us to launch this? Mm -hmm. So most senior pastors would have took their leadership through it first. That wasn't the direction God told, told me, me to go. I had my associate take my deacons and pastors through it. God put 12 people on my heart um, that were potential leaders. And I poured myself in them for one year. And I, I wrote down a couple of things I wanted to just say about that. Yeah, please. Uh, first of all, uh, one of the ideas God gave me was I created a private messenger just for the group. No one else was allowed in this messenger except them. Every week, I, I sent them a scripture that they were responsible to read in class. So every week, if I buy our classes were on Tuesday and Thursday, if I hadn't sent that scripture out by Monday, they were already texting me, hey, pastor, where's my scripture? I never got my scripture. So there was like a real big excitement. So what I did was I prayed and God put 12 people on my heart. I sent personal invites 
through the mouth and picked these these 12. And I'm, I want to say that in that first year, let me tell you what has been produced in seven years in that first first group. Uh, since then, that, that first group yielded three future deacons in the church and two credentialed pastors who are now ministerial credential. Wow. AJ transformed their whole entire life. It also reinvigorated the whole church, mm. uh, those that took it. So what happened was the fire started so great that by year two, we had a waiting, a waiting list. Wow. Because what happened was God gave me the idea to have a graduation. Now, some of the folks in our church, let's be honest, some of them were incarcerated at a, at a young age. They never graduated from anything. So yeah. when we incorporated a graduation night, it was amazing. They started to invite their parents, their brothers and sisters. They had never graduated from anything. That's so awesome. A graduation night also built the vision for the following year because what we would do is we would have a, a sign-up booth for next year's classes on graduation night. So three weeks ago, we had a, our graduation. The first night, we had 21 people sign up for the October launch. Wow. So we only do 45 people because you don't want the class sizes too, too large. Yeah. So it man, it was just a really exciting. Um, year two was even better. We had multiple people. Um, like for example, can I share two people? Uh, kind of yeah. question four under the transform lives. Yeah. So let's talk about Donna. Donna was a single woman. Had lived a very hard life. Had come back to Christ. Her life had been in shambles. Uh, now let me tell you about her life five years later, six years later after ADJ. ADJ so transformed her life. She felt a call into ministry. She has worked towards uh, some type of uh, uh, religious ministerial credentials. After completing ADJ, uh, she took the program to her boss. And the boss said, after hours, if anyone wants to stay, wants to stay, you can do an AD, your ADJ group. She had 12 employees for a whole year, stay after work, and she took them through. So when we had our second year graduation, we incorporated them from out of town an hour away, and they were part of our graduation night. Now she serves in leadership in our church. She has a husband now after she's been married two, uh, two years now. Her husband is a credentialed minister. He's been a credentialed minister for 30, over 30 to 40 years. Together, they run our seniors ministries. And her husband, a year ago, came on full-time staff as our church administrator. So it's just awesome how God... It is amazing. God transformed her life. Now, the, the second person was a little different. Full-blooded Jewish man. He was a doctor. He had been married for decades. Uh, him and his wife could never settle or find a church. He, they were talking about moving and leaving the state of California. Hmm. His wife was in line at Starbucks, downtown Hollister. A couple of our, of our crazy ADJ ladies were all jazzed up after class, went in and were talking nonstop in line about ADJ. She heard the conversation and asked what that was. The next Sunday, they were at church. They recommitted their lives to Christ. They signed up for ADJ. Today, this doctor serves as my head deacon. He teaches the ADJ class. I have not taught the ADJ now for two years. My students from the first couple of years are now the teachers of our ADJ classes. Um, one thing about John was that he has a photogenic memory. Mm -hmm. So every week when I gave him a scripture, he never brought his Bible. He recited it from memory. Wow. 
So as the months went on in, in the class, we began to tease him and say, we'll bet you $100 you can't mem- uh, memorize chapter <laughs> 28 of the book of Deuteronomy. <laughs> this is like the second or third largest book chapter in the Bible. Yeah. You know, the last night of ADJ, uh, after we complete it, we always finish up with a big potluck dinner the following week to celebrate. He recited the whole chapter. I've never known a human being to ever wow. do. Recited the whole 28th chapter of the book of Deuteronomy. Wow. Hello, Disciple Makers Podcast listeners. I want to invite you to the 2022 National Disciple Making Forum here in Nashville, Tennessee on October 5th and 6th. Jesus had a strategy, a plan, and a roadmap for making disciples. In other words, he was highly intentional. He guided, coached, and developed his disciples into full-on disciple makers. And by living out the Great Commission, they changed the entire world. We're constantly gaining new insight about intentional discipleship as we look closely at Jesus. And if we're thoughtful and prayerful, we can apply many of those same practices today. So head on over to discipleship.org to buy your tickets for the 2022 National Disciple Making Forum. I look forward to seeing you there. Hey, as you guys, as you guys are listening to this, so, you know, we do disciple making in various settings, right? Depending on our context. So when you hear Kevin say class, I don't want you to think of just some stiff, rigid class. There's there's the key components of relationship. There's the conversations that happen. There's application that happens. So don't just think of a kind of a stiff Sunday morning class. I want you to think relationship, application, conversation. So just to clarify that, and for those of you that maybe jumped on recently, when Kevin is saying ADJ, it's our short way of, of the title of this tool called A Discipleship Journey. I'll tell you a little bit about it later, but just know the the transformation that has happened in, in some of these lives that Kevin has just shared. It's it's fun to watch. It's wonderful to see. It's it's glorifying to Jesus. It's advancing his kingdom. And it's doing the great commission of making disciple makers. Kevin, so so kind of fill people in like what as the pastor, when you kind of step back from you, you began disciple making in 2015, and we're sitting here in 2022, some seven years later. What's happened in your church since yeah. 175 people? You begin to that. What's happened since you made disciple making a core of what you're doing? Well, I wrote down some more stats for you. Ah, okay. <laughs> so now that we're in the seventh year, uh, our our church in seven years have gone from 175 to roughly around 500. Wow. Uh, and that's those who attend. now of our church have, has gone through ADJ. We've taken almost 300 people through ADJ. We out of in six years now or seven years, we have six ADJ graduates who are studying or who have achieved their ministerial credentials now. Six. Many of them have come on full-time staff, uh, because of our church growth. Eight other graduates have become deacons or elders within our church. Now we have a really good problem. When when we were two to 300, well, you know what, Dave, let me go back just for a second. Yeah. Uh, We're talking about, you know, the word I use class, you know, class setting. Our church loves ADJ so much. When COVID came, all of our classes, we're online now. We didn't stop. We just went online and had our, our classes e- each week online. Mm-hmm. We have so many hungry to volunteer. I'm having a problem to find people where to plug in. Wow. Like how many churches have that problem? <laughs> and you know, I'm sitting with my administrator and I've been telling them, now look, just create something. Just find something for them. <laughs> you know, have to wash my car, man. You know, when I'm you know in the office, you know. But um, yeah, so you know, it's, it's been awesome. We had a couple graduate a couple weeks ago. Uh, 
And this couple here, he had been incarcerated for many years. His wife uh, was on drugs for many years. They gave their heart to Christ. They, uh, their first year with us, they went jumped right into ADJ. Now they're working productive jobs. They have all their children back. They mm. never hardly miss a service. They love ADJ. They come and volunteer at the church. And quoting him, he, he said, ADJ, or a discipleship journey, saved our marriage. I know of at least six to seven couples in our church, their marriages were saved by getting into the ADJ or a discipleship group. Because yeah. as I said, we every year we've created a different messenger group and no one is ever allowed in that group. So the cool thing about that is even five years later, I'll get notifications of people talking in that group still asking for prayer, asking for prayer needs. So automatically, automatically they have 12 to 15 people praying for their loved wow. ones and, and their kids at, at any moment. So yeah, that's awesome. Now here's, here's one that will really encourage all the pastors. Financially, since we started ADJ, our monthly budget has tripled. They caught the vision you know, where we were always tight during COVID to 2021, it was the greatest year in our church's history financially. God was faithful. Uh, people that are in the ADJ program, they're givers, they tithe. They, they, it's just, it's part of their DNA now. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's the, you know, that's the thing, Kevin, that's so encouraging to me. And, and you guys were we're talking because of this common tool that Kevin and I have used a discipleship journey. Mm -hmm. but we know that it's just a facilitative thing to allow the Holy Spirit to bring about the transformation that we open this with. And it's been exciting to see. And I wanted Kevin just to relay to you some of those stories, but also as a senior pastor to be able to share with you what happened when he started uh, with the intention of I'm making this core. I am making disciple-making core to what we do as a church. And so you're hearing the fruit of health. You're hearing the fruit of mobilization of people. You're hearing volunteerism like up. You're here, and, and, and they, they've grown in such a way that they're having to add and expand to their building. Their budget's grown. And again, you and I know that you know building size and budget size is not our measure of spirituality, but it can be a measure of just kind of the things God's doing. So Kevin's been running to keep up. Now, what we don't have time to get into today, but I want to just mention is God has been showing up in their church in a way with many, many people getting healed physically. And so as, as Kevin has been obedient to make disciples, the spirit of God has encountered people in their church in a way where physical healings have been happening. And so the, the spiritual fruit that is the byproduct of making disciples looks a little, Kevin, to me, like the Gospels in the book of Acts. Amen. Amen. Dave, you know, two other points I want to make. Uh, yeah. I would say that probably 90% of all the healings that have taken place have taken place at ADJ students. Wow. Right. Wow. And then the second year that we completed ADJ, I was serving as our sectional presbyter for five years. So one of our sectional meetings, I brought my first two graduating classes in. And I had them share how a discipleship journey had changed their life. Mm. And after that meeting, out of 25 churches, five churches started doing a discipleship journey. And four of those five churches have now produced growth. And I'm talking about churches that one church had 30 people. Now they're running 120. Wow. Uh, other churches that had 100 that are now up to 200 and 250 people. Two churches that were watching us online have now started uh, a discipleship journey. One in Idaho yeah. and one in New Jersey. And there's one that's about to, that's going to start this year in Florida. Wow. So it's just, it's seeping and just flowing. And at first, I'll be honest, I was skeptical. Sure. You know, I, you know, as a pastor, I've seen a lot of materials. 
uh, a discipleship journey is the best, I believe, that any pastor could begin and start in their church. But the pastor has to get excited first. If yeah. the pastor not, it won't, it won't work in their church. Yeah. And and again, I think we all, you know, on this call understand that it again, it's I'm grateful that there's a tool that, you know, this particular pastor in this particular church has been able to run with. And I think we we need to recognize that um and again, it's if any of you are hearing this and thinking, I gotta do this to, to help my church grow. Ah, uh, that's okay. But here, here's the thing I want us to, to recognize is once you set your heart as a senior pastor, we are going to be a disciple-making church. God sees that and he starts sending people your way because he trusts you. See, it's like God doesn't want to just send people to churches that are, hey, we got potlucks. Now, Kevin and I are all about potlucks, but there's something even greater. And that is when you are a disciple making church, I believe God says, now, this is a church that's getting to kingdom business with the Great Commission that I can entrust sending more to. So Kevin, as wonderful as his personality is, his praying, his preaching, we both know and recognize because he's been faithful to, to in that process of transformation, God revealed something to him about becoming a disciple maker. He's been obedient to it. And because of that transformation has come. And now that, that thing's been repeated hundreds of times within people within his flock. So Kev, just before um, I, I close off here with you, and then I'll, I'll show a few resources to people like what's, if, if we've got pastors and elders and spiritual leaders listening to this, what would be something you would just leave us with as an encouragement related to being a pastor and disciple making? Okay. Are we talking about the disciple uh, ADJ or the uh, leadership? Uh, no, nah, I mean, just, I mean, whatever you want to share, but I'm just thinking in general for you, it's like what, if a pastor's watching this, because here on this channel, they'll come and they'll, start exploring discipleship. You get others that are all into it and they're just yeah. and adding, but for those that are listening that are just going, I've, Oh man, I've never really looked at disciple making. Like what would yeah. be your encouragement to them? Well, for, first of all, pastors, uh, many of us feel alone a lot. Um, and I would say a discipleship journey, what it will do for you first is create a hunger and a thirst, not for church growth, but for your walk with God. Yeah. It will take you deeper with the Lord. Plus, it will begin to put some life and water back in your life. Uh, you know, pastors, we give out every week. And, you know, a discipleship journey and leadership journey both. It'll fuel your spiritual life. You'll start. You know, for me, it gave me vision again. It gave me hope again mm -hmm. that, uh, you know, we could turn the, the corner. We could get past the years of struggle. God wants to advance you. God wants to win souls and disciple souls through your leadership. And I would just encourage you to really pray that God will give you a vision to, um, to go deeper with the discipleship program in, in your church. I was never taught this in Bible college. So, yeah. I mean, this stuff, this stuff, Dave, you know, you're too humble. God has blessed you and anointed you, man. And this is the greatest uh, discipleship material um, and life. It's part of our DNA. Pastors yeah. are deacons and our pastors, they, they, it's their DNA. They have to go through this. And I, it's not like I have to push them. They want to do it because everyone in the church got the vision. They got the fire. And if you want your church to get excited, it starts in discipleship making. Yeah. God will change the most hardest, deadest church in America if they will have the heartbeat of Christ and disciple believers and grow it in their faith in Jesus yeah. Christ. Yeah, that's really good, Kev. You know, Henry Blackaby, who is familiar to many of us, you know, he's mostly known maybe through his book, Experiencing God. But one time when I was sitting with Henry, he said to me, <clears throat> you know, in our particular denomination, we, we made a very um, bad decision. <laughs> I'm kind of sitting there going, uh oh, where's he going with this? And he, I said, what are you talking about? He said, we made the primary thing evangelism. And so we've won a bunch of people to Christ, got them baptized, and now they attend our churches. He said, we should have focused on disciple making yeah, because yeah. we would have won people, those people of the Lord, but then we would have 
discipled them and shaped them in the things of God, and they'd be going out winning more. And I thought that was a really interesting thing to hear from a spiritual father. So, hey, Kev, thanks. Thanks so much for taking time in light of your busy world and all that you go on to, to join us. I really appreciate it. I love the story of what Jesus is doing as you've been faithful to disciples. So thanks. God bless y'all. Thank you. Though. All right. Thanks, Kev. Bye-bye. Hey, I'm just going to put this um, put this back up on the screen here just to show you a couple of things as we bring this in for a landing. Um, you know, one of the things, um, one of the things that, you know, I, I want you to know about is something that we do with Lions here called a leadership journey. This is the thing that Kevin, um, first attended with us and it's, it's shaping leaders in the ways of God. And it's something I do every January, and June. And, uh, again, about a third of the people that participate, are uh, in ministry and two thirds are vocational leaders, whether it's business, media, arts, entertainment, sports, government, education. And so it's an opportunity to help the health of a godly leader, um, to help them learn how to lead through the lens of God's way. And we teach them how to become disciple makers. So this is something that might be of interest to you and where you're living, you know, jump on lionshare.org and you can kind of take a look at it there. This is the tool um, that Kevin was speaking about, a discipleship journey, or for short, ADJ. Um, It's scripturally sound. It's something we've used since 2004. It's very proven. It's practical. Uh, We have families that use it, local churches that use it, people within the vocations who use it to disciple people within the vocation where they live and work. Um, And its whole aim is, is real life application. As we talked about at the beginning, revelation, obedience, transformation, that's the mechanism we use and we train through using this tool to make it effective. So um, if you have an interest in that, come check it out on, on the website. We it, it, it The way it works is there's um, we ask people for two hours a week or I tease and I say, I need 184th of your time. And what I'm looking for is an hour on their own where they watch a 10 minute video jump into the word. And then they're in a small group where they ask the two questions. What did the Holy Spirit reveal to you? How are you going to obey this in your life? We've got um, quarterly, we've got training classes to show you how to facilitate this. We're finishing one up uh, now. The next one is August. And so you'll find the dates on those uh, at lionshare.org. Something I want to share with you that I'm really excited about, and I don't have time to show you one of these, but, but we're releasing in August something called a Discipleship Journey Kids or ADJK. When I first came out with Discipleship Journey in 2004, those first several years, I had numerous parents, children's pastors, children's ministry workers say, so when are you doing this for our kids? So they can apply things like hearing God's voice, walking in healthy relationships, spiritual warfare, um, the cross, sin and repentance, spiritual gifts, those kinds of things. And I said, I want to do that, but I need somebody whose mission it is to walk with children in disciple making. Well, in 2015, I met that person. Her name is Laurie Jarvis. She lives in Ohio. She's now a part of our team. And over the last number of years, we've created ADJ Kids. And instead of the um, teaching videos being me or a couple of my friends that do it for the adults, we've got animation, two characters, AD and J. And 80 is a 12-year-old, Jay's her eight-year-old younger brother. And we watch in about two to three minutes, there's 48 of their adventures that lead young children ages six to 10 in particular to learn to walk in the ways of God, to learn God's character, to join God in his mission. And this is something we are really excited about. There's a manual for the kids. There's an, there's these animation pieces. There's a parent prompt that you can get on our Lion Share app for parents to know how to apply something in about a minute and a half into their child's life. Um, There's a facilitator's guide and there's a little take-home card. So if it's used in Sunday school, they can take home that card with their application point. Mom and dad watch the parent prompt and they can help their child uh, apply it. So it's a great thing for children's ministries to use, yes, in a church setting, but also children's ministries who desire to see moms and dads or grandparents guardians learn to disciple their children. It's a great tool for that. So Laurie Jarvis is our ADJ kids coach. So she'd be happy to talk with you about how to implement this. Hey, I just wanted to hop on here before I sign off to say, 
Thank you so much for listening to the Disciple Makers podcast. If you haven't already, I want to encourage you to click the subscribe button so that you can stay up to date every time I release new episodes weekly. All right, y'all have a great day and I'll catch you on the next episode. See ya.